0: The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, starting at verse 1, you'll find these words. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered to them, to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know The certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. And today we just want to talk to you from the thought. The beginning of the Christmas story. The very beginning of the Christmas story. In the days, uh, weeks to come, amen, during this Christmas season, amen, we want to uh, take a little time to put some emphasis on the Christmas story. uh, The story behind the birth of Jesus Christ. And one of the things uh, about the gospels is that uh, the gospels had um, unique audiences that God uh, led these different men to write for those audiences. We spent a lot of time in Matthew, and we are to the understanding that Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews to portray Jesus as king. We see Mark's gospel as a gospel that had a soldieristic, if you will, flair to it. It had an immediacy to it as soldiers would be from the Roman world. So that was a good gospel for the Roman world to read, especially the soldiers. And then we also have the gospel of John, which is a gospel that's not part of what we call the synoptic gospels. Synoptic is just a big word from the same stories written from a different perspective, synoptic. But the Gospels, the John's Gospel was written to portray Jesus as God. It was a different gospel. It did not start with the narrative around his birth or anything of that nature, but it started in the beginning was the Word. So very out of the start, he says to us that Jesus didn't have a beginning. That he wasn't born. Amen. He always existed. Because his purpose was to write to portray Jesus as God. But then we come to Luke. We come to this of the three synoptic gospels, but Luke's gospel is the most exhaustive gospel of the three. Matter of fact, it's most exhaustive of all four. You don't want to go to sleep on Luke. Okay, he was not one of the 12 disciples, but he was a disciple that came during the years of Paul the Apostle. But even though he was not part of the original 12, he was indeed a disciple. I I bring that up because I don't want any Christian to believe that there are less of a disciple of Jesus Christ if they did not come in the original 12 or if they did not come in the 500 apostles that followed them no the same Jesus that empowered them is the same Jesus that empowers you today you can be all that God has called you to be as a disciple today as they did in their day because the same Jesus is the same Jesus of today, yesterday, and forever. And the same Holy Spirit that empowered them is the same Holy Spirit that is within you. Amen. On yesterday in Bible study, we were looking at the second chapter of Ephesians and we found at the 22nd verse of that second chapter is that we are dwelling places. Come on, y'all. We are homes of something special. Amen. Those who are there know that we are the home of God in the Spirit. Every one of us are dwelling places who are saved, sanctified. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost that empowered Peter, James, and John empowers you and me. So do not think you are at a disadvantage, amen, when you got God on the inside. Because the God that we serve, Deacon Johnson, has all power in his hand. And after I looked at all, I found out that there's nothing on the other side of all. So Sister Bond, anything that God has put in your way to do for him, you've got all the power and all the resources necessary to carry it out. That's good news, ain't it? Because sometimes life gets arduous. Life gets tough. Life gets irritating, but you know that you know that you know that you can call on one that is closer to you, amen, than a brother. That you don't have to have a T-Mobile or a Sprint or Verizon or AT&T, but you can just call him and tell him what you want. Ain't that good, y'all? Because you might be short on money. You might have forgot to pay your bill. Your stuff might be turned off, but God can always hear you. They that call upon the Lord shall be saved amen. it is the christmas story that god sent his only begotten son amen to the world that we would have somebody that we could call on that we would go from being those in this room from aliens and strangers amen bible students from those who were aliens to the commonwealth of israel to now being part of the body of christ amen. That the same Jesus, the same God that the Israelites of old have, we now have today. And he loves us just as much as he loves them. Ain't that good? Because the walls of separation has been torn down. No longer is it them and us, but we are one man. Everyone who is sanctified by God. We are one body. We are one man. And we got one God who loves us with everything he has in him. And that's a lot because you can't get to the end of God's love because he loves us, Sister Penman, with an everlasting love. Jeremiah chapter 31. So now as we look at our text, you can't go to sleep on Brother Luke because Luke was a trained physician. So Luke understood being meticulous. Sister Lyons, just like Dr. Lyons, is meticulous in his work because he is a physician. So was Brother Luke. And I want you to know that your secular training is not devoid or separate from God's mission for you in the world. In other words, just because you were trained in engineering or chemistry, or sciences, or physics, or, or nursing, or, or astronomy, or, or whatever skill, or HVAC, or, or electrical. God uses those things which we call secular also to his uh, benefit for the kingdom of God. Watch me now. You have unique skills, all of you. Every one of you have unique skills that you probably haven't thought about that is useful for the kingdom of God. If you are a manager or you are a VP, amen, you have unique skills that have been honed because of your training and experience that God can use to reach others for the kingdom of God. That you can be effective in areas that the next person cannot be. There are areas that I can be effective in that you cannot and there's areas you're going to be effective in that I cannot because each one of us has been skillfully and wonderfully made by God. Our path has been set before we were ever known or before we became a twinkle in our parents' eyes. God already knew, Sister Harding, what we were going to do for a living. Amen. And how he was going to use that for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Now, ain't that awesome, y'all? Because if you really ain't thought about that a lot, if you start to think about it, you say, now, how, okay, how does that work? How's that, I'm a this or I'm a that, and how does that work? But you know what? You really don't have to figure it out. You just need to let God work it out. Say, Lord, whatever I have, whatever I am, is because of you. And Lord, use it to the glory of God let me manage to the glory of God. Let me mix chemicals to the glory of God. Let me write software to the glory of God. Let me uh, care for folks in the hospital to the glory of God. Let me treat folks to the glory of God. Let me administer medicines for the glory of God. Let me do my work outside in the fields for the glory of God. Let me do whatever I do for the glory of God. And you will be amazed how God will use what you have and do amazing things for the kingdom of God. He did it with Luke. He did it with the physician Luke. His skillfulness and meticulousness as it relates to being a physician, he applied it to his work of creating this gospel. This is the most exhaustive gospel of the four because he used a Gentile. Come on now. He used not a Jew, but a Gentile. Luke was not part of the twelve. Matter of fact, he was not even a Jew. He was a Gentile. And he was used for Gentile work. But not only that, he was more exhausted than anybody else. So don't discount your giftedness. Don't you let nobody tell you, you less than anybody else. Because we're all equal at the cross. It don't matter if you don't sing or you don't preacher. You don't do that. You got gifts that you can do things that nobody else can do. Because God fearfully and wonderfully made you to be a unique individual to make unique contributions to this world. Are y'all tracking with me today? So when we look at our text, I want to bring up five points, amen, today. And then I'm going to get out of here, amen. But as we are thinking about the beginning of the christmas story we need to understand that god brought men along to make sure that the christmas story was recorded it was recorded not only for their generation but the generations to come and so we see the man luke who wasn't even part of the twelve jesus was gone by now amen luke could not get His work directly from Jesus. He had to get it from some people who were with the master. He got it from the apostles, amen. He got it from the eyewitnesses, those who saw Jesus. And he took meticulous notes as it relates to the life of Christ. The first point I want to make is narrative. 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 You got to know the story. And make it your own. You can't know the story that's made of somebody else, and then expect to be uh, uh, fluid with it when you need to. You you need to be able to tell a story extemporaneously, ad hocly. You need to be able to tell a story when you wake up and when you go to bed. Amen. You need to be able to tell a story in church and out of church. You need to be able to tell a story when you're in the grocery store. When you're on the playground, you need to be able to tell the story. You need to be able to tell the story when those who are riling against you, when you got your critics, you still need to be able to tell the story. And you need to be able to give the world a reason for the hope that lies within you. And you don't need to be uh, fumbling around looking for a book to tell the story. You need to be the book that they are able to read. You need to be the audible book, amen, that needs to be able to speak the narrative of Jesus Christ. Think about this for a moment, y'all. We live in a world that's constantly coming up with new narratives. And they are very exacting about their narratives. We got narratives in this world today, amen. There's a narrative about Chicago If you listen to the pundits in the media outlets, Chicago is the uh, abysmal place of the United States. Our our president and some of the other leaders is, we got to clean up Chicago. But that's a narrative. That's a story that's being, uh, being told to us that somehow all our problems are coming out of Chicago. But it's also a coded story. They're not talking about all of Chicago. They're talking about the brothers and sisters in Chicago. See, uh that's coded language for black folks in the hood. Amen. It's like the word thug. That's another coded word. Amen. A lot of times when they say thug, they're talking about poor, disadvantaged black folks. Amen. But it's a narrative. It's something that uh, those in power are trying to give as a story that is truth. To guide and and to manipulate the masses. There's narratives all over the place. There are narratives out here today that says that uh, uh, all black men ain't good for nothing. There are narratives out there that I've heard recently that no one goes to church anymore except women and gays. So if you're not a woman and you're a man, then you're gay. Well, we know that's a narrative that I've heard on multiple occasions, but I know it's not true. It is a work of the devil to manipulate the masses. For those who are outside of the commonwealth of Israel, outside of the church, then if that's the story that they hear and they're straight, they don't want any part of this. If if that's the noise that they hear, then they don't want to hear what's in here because they're already made fearful and reluctant because of that narrative. That's why you got to have your narrative. And you've got to have a narrative that you can stand upon and be confident with at any time. Because the world is confident when they start talking all this nonsense. I have heard comedians talk about this thing. And they're not being funny when they say it. I mean, I've heard things that were so vile against the church of God and so untrue. But yet being propagated from one person to the next. That's why we have to have our narrative. We got to know that you know that you know the story of Jesus Christ. Luke understood this in his day. He knew that he needed to put this thing together and put it together right. A narrative is an orderly account, amen, as we will see here later. It's where we put together events in such a way that they are connected. A story. There ain't nothing worse than a disjunct Or disconnected plot I I don't know about y'all but when you go to the movies amen and you go to see a movie and the plot is all mixed mashed up and you can't seem to follow well wait a minute they started going this direction and this was the purpose and now they're talking about something else over here and then over there but they never got back to what they originally started with you want to quit fold up your stuff and go home because it's not a good story it's not Events that are connected in a logical way that folks can follow. Luke is making sure that the events are connected. And you've got to do the same. You just can't have a piece over here and a piece over there and no kind of connection. When folks hear that, all they're going to start doing is getting a headache. You've got to get your story and make sure that your story flows like it's supposed to. And that you can stand on it anywhere. Uh-huh. Amen. That's the challenge of the Christian today is to not get lax as it as it relates to the word of God and the narrative of Jesus Christ. But get it down into your hearts, get it in your mind that you can somebody can wake you up in the middle of the night and you can tell a story. Amen. Second point. As I just mentioned, the orderly account. Does your story make sense? can others connect the dots? Now that's the other part here. Not only does it gotta make sense to you, but you gotta make make sure that what your story is, how you have made your story applicable for the world we live in today, that is uh, digestible enough, that is palatable enough that they can connect the dots. It's not good enough for us to be able to connect the dots only. See, we can connect the dots in ways that those outside cannot. See, those of us been around the church a long time, we got some churchy terminology. We got some other things that we can work off of, amen, that we connect dots even when dots aren't there. But the world can't do that. They can't jump from, from T uh, equals zero to T equals 10 and then fill in all of that. You need to make sure that your story Makes sense and it connects. And it connects tight enough that you can tell somebody that don't know nothing about the things of Jesus Christ and it makes sense. To use the right vocabulary, amen. And then move them along into your vocabulary. But at the same time, be simple enough in your explanation that they can get it. Am I making sense today? Okay, so saints of God... eh, you got to have an orderly account. And Dr. Luke had it. He said, I've created an orderly account. There's something else about this text that is kind of interesting, amen. And and that is, in the Greek language, amen, some of uh, their sentence structures are quite complex. In the Greek, um, verses 1 through 4 is just one sentence. That's just one sentence in the Greek. Amen. But in that sentence, it is packed with information. It is packed and we're here today trying to unpack this to then put it back together again so that we can use it for the edification of the kingdom in our day. So the third point that I want to bring up is know the certainty. Look at the text. In the text, he says to us that in verse 4, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Knowing the certainty, can you help someone go from wondering to knowing? Can you help Someone go from wondering to knowing. You got to ask yourself that question as a believer. You have great responsibility as a child of God. It's not just tippy-toeing through the and, uh, You know, my, my soul is, is fixed in arms of Jesus and I'm on my way to heaven. But on your way, God got some work for you to do. There is a parable that talks about a certain uh, landowner that went away for a time and left his land to be taken care of by his servants. That whole idea is what's going on with you and I. God is not here right now. He's gone for a little while, but he's on his way back. And his servants, he has left us everything that we need to carry out his orders until he comes. And when he comes back, we have to give an account of our stewardship. Amen. When he comes, amen, I have to give an account of my stewardship, of my management of the flock that he has given me to manage. Not that I own the flock, but that I am responsible for the flock till the master comes back. And he's going to be asking questions What did you do? Did you do what I told you to do. Did you feed my sheep? Did you feed my lambs? Did you, did you diligently do that or did you shake and fake and act like some of the unrighteous un, uh, servants that said he ain't never coming back? See, it's unrighteous to walk around in this life thinking that we don't have no responsibility to be a beacon of light and a representative and an ambassador to God until he comes. No, no. No, we got some work to do until the master comes. There's some weeds to be pulled. There's some ground to be cultivated. Amen. There's some water to be poured. There's some seeds to be planted so that God gives the increase. Are y'all following me? This is not just, hey, we, 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 we saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, too blessed to be depressed, and we're on our way to heaven, and that's it. No. That's true, but there's some work to do in the meantime, because we are here to multiply ourselves. Remember the parable of the talents that he gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. And all of them, he required of them multiplication. And the one who had one that didn't do anything but dig a hole and put it in a a bucket and bury it till the master came back. He said, thou was wicked and lazy servant. He said, you're no good for me. He said, matter of fact, out to outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing the teeth. It's not good enough for you to get saved, and that's good enough. Now you get saved to tell somebody else. It's not your responsibility to save them, but it is your responsibility to share it with them. It is your responsibility to walk right before the Lord, before those who are without the Lord. Amen. You got to know the certainty for yourself, so that you can teach somebody who is wondering Mm -hmm. so that their wondering becomes knowing. Mm -hmm. Are y'all following me today? Mm -hmm. Amen. And so as we look at our text, amen, point number four. Point number four. Our witnesses and ministers. Look at the text. Verse two. That physician Luke says, he says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered to them to us. Hmm, that's interesting. The eyewitnesses and ministers did not deliver to the folks something that was not delivered to them by God. So the point here of our witnesses and ministers is, beware of someone who teaches some new knowledge not based on the word of God. Beware of someone who teaches some new knowledge that's not based on the word of God. And I guarantee you, you don't have to go far to find somebody that's talking some kind of uh, spectacular language and and philosophy that they equate to the Bible, but has nothing to do with the Bible at all. There are so many folks teaching stuff outside of the Bible, trying to be dynamic and dramatic and, and, and being energetic and charismatic and all of this other stuff. But you must be like the Bereans. The Bible says, Paul in the book of Acts said, the Bereans were those who searched the scriptures daily, seeing whether the words that Paul the apostle said were so. The Bereans were a kind of say, okay, you say you're an apostle, okay, you say you're from God. All right, well, we got this word. Now you go ahead and we're going to check the facts. Amen. Fact check. That's what you got to be. But in order to be a fact check, you got to know The facts. So you got to get in your word. So beware of them. And don't you become one of those either. Don't you become one that talk off of your head without a basis on the Bible. Amen. Make sure you are one who what is delivered to you in this word is what you're sharing with somebody else. Is that clicking today? Is that making sense? Because what you end up being, instead of being a... uh, devoted child of God, you end up being a heretic, a false prophet, a false teacher when you're teaching something that does not, is not based upon the word of God, amen? Amen, amen. and our final point today, most excellence. I, I like this one here, because uh-huh. it took me a while to kind of see what God was doing with the physician Luke that we tend not to think so much about today. Remember that he was a physician, a man of meticulousness, a man of detail. He dotted his eyes and he crossed his T's. Uh, are you following me? He understood order. He understood detail. But I contend to you there's something else. Not only was he a a Gentile and a good friend of the Apostle Paul, but he understood a dynamic about the need of the gospel that sometimes, I I would say, probably unconsciously, we forget. And that is, ministry and mission is not just for the hood and the homeless. There is a lot of ministry to those who are in the hood and who are in poverty and impoverished and homeless. And that's good. That's good. It's true that Jesus is for those who are materially disadvantaged. Yeah, we got to get Jesus to them. Yes, that's true. But it's not the materials that's the problem. It's the immaterial that's the spirit. So not only is the gospel for those in the hood and are homeless, but it's also for those in the state house and the big house. Are you following me? It's not just for those who are lavished out and languishing out in uh, the, the, the tough parts of town, amen, who do not have shelter, but it's also for dignitaries and it's also for presidents and it's also for people of Congress and the Senate. It's for the folks who got big money. It's for billionaires like Jeff Bezos. The gospel is for everyone most excellent means a dignitary so the physician of luke was talking to his friend theophilus who was a dignitary this gospel was originally written not to the homeless and the hood but it was written to the dignitaries because they need the same jesus that the poor man needs jesus is not just for poor folks he's for rich folks too Because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and then lose his soul? I know a story where a man had big big, big, uh, 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 barns full of grain in chapter 12 of Luke. And then God called him, he said, "Thou fool. He said, your soul is required of you tonight. And then he asked the question, now whose barns and whose grain will this be? See, there is a deception in this world sometimes where you can unconsciously stop thinking about those who are high levels and have great riches. But they are just as bankrupt as somebody who is poor and destitute without a home if they don't have Jesus. Amen. Because Peter let us know for sure. One of these days, this whole thing is going to burn up in the fire. So it don't matter how much money you got. It don't matter how many businesses you have. If you don't go have Jesus, you're going to hell. You can't buy your way out of there. It is only one way to pay that price, and it's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It is the one who hung and bled and died for the sins of the entire world. It's the one who died one Friday evening in that place called... Golgotha's here. it's the one who they put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet the only way to get your business fixed is to trust in the Lord Jesus but that wasn't the end of the story see the narrative is um, that when he died with the sins on his shoulders past, present and future They took him down off that old rugged cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday. He was in that tomb all day Saturday. And we find that when he was buried, our sins was buried too. To be cast into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, Never to be brought up again. What you did in 1979 will not be brought up in 2019. Once it's buried, it's buried. Ain't that good news, children? But that's not the end of the narrative. Because after Saturday night, it was early Sunday morning. That Jesus got up with all power in his hand. Still healing the sick. Still raising the dead. Still giving sight to the blind. I am a witness of his power to make blind men see. Because there was one day down in Texarkana, Texas. At a hay baler. That I was there. And another man came beside me, and he shared with me the good news of Jesus Christ. And God opened my eyes to see. He gave me legs to walk in the gospel, a mouth to talk the gospel, and eyes to see the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. How about you today? Can you say yes? Say yes. Say yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. The doors of the church is open. Amen. The doors of the church are open. Amen. What that means today is that it's an opportunity if you hear the words of the Lord today. Amen. There is a man who came from heaven and his name is Jesus. That if you don't know him personally, You don't know him as a saver of your soul. Right now is the time to get to know him. Right now is the time to give your life to him and say, Lord, save me. Lord, don't let me go to hell. Lord, let me go to heaven with you. Lord, I need you. I need you in every way. And, And this is the time, amen. And in this time, amen, it's a time of rededication and a revelation amen as it relates to the lord amen right now is that time amen praise the lord says amen 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 right now is the time to get your business fixed with the lord amen Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry.